Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, March 15th, 2021. When I drive around the Treasure Valley, I see lots of churches. But when I travel to the nation of Israel, it's a little different experience. Sure, you see churches, but most of them are very different. Lots of them are really marking historical places and have become more what some people refer to as the bells and smells church that's much more about ritual than actually preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you travel to Israel and you do see the churches, most of them are not being attended by the Jewish people of the nation of Israel. And so even as we think through reading the Bible, you think one of those shocking statements is really there early in John 1 when it says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. That the Messiah showed up and the nation of Israel did not embrace him. In fact, he was crucified. And if you go to Israel today, you will still find a nation that does not, for the most part, embrace Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Uh, That's a a sad thing. And we get a sense of that sad story in Matthew 22, 1 to 14. And it says there that Jesus tells a parable and he compares it to a wedding feast given for a son. And so I think he's playing some on the similar ideas, wedding feast for a son. You know, he's probably the son here, but everybody makes excuses uh, and they miss this, what should have been a joyful occasion. And really, we see that as um, a symbol of the failure of the nation of Israel, that their Messiah came and they did not receive him. They missed out on the feast. They missed out on the party. And it's a very sad story here that you see in Matthew 22. And it says in verse 7, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Wow. Uh, And really, you think of how that kind of plays out in the nation of Israel, that not too long after Jesus is crucified, within a few decades, uh, the city of Jerusalem is burned and destroyed. Uh, The nation missed their Messiah, and they basically lost their nation, lost their kingdom, lost their way of life as the temple was destroyed then in 70 AD. And uh, there's still no temple on the Temple Mount today. But then we see verse 9, Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. And there, that's where maybe a lot of people like you and I can feel some sense of gratitude reading this story, that the gospel has then gone out to all the nations. But even as we read a story like this, there's an important element for us to remain humble and for us not to look down in any way on the Jewish people in the time of Christ that missed their Messiah. The story ends with a man who had no wedding garment. And it says, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. And so there we see somebody that comes to the feast, but they're not wearing the right garment. And that should be, I think, a good reminder for us that none of us can act like we deserve to waltz into the feast of the wedding of 
the the son of God, right? The wedding feast of the lamb. We should not uh, act like we deserve that. And there's only one way we're getting in by the gracious invitation of God. And we're only going to get, get in wearing that wedding garment, which makes me think of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So we, we see some similar things and we'll get to it eventually in Romans where Paul discusses the, the hardening that came on the hearts of the nations of Israel, but he warns Gentiles, oh, don't start to feel any ounce of of pride for where you are. And I I hope we feel the same way. Maybe reading something like this uh, gets us to pray for uh, the Jewish people that are are still rejecting their Messiah and that we would see revival in their midst. And I believe we will, especially in in the end times. But may we also not be proud and realize there's nothing that we can claim to, to say that we deserve the favor or the grace of God. And even thinking about this, as we look now at the book of Numbers today in verses 18, chapters 18 and 19, I'm reminded of something that I've come across as I've traveled to Israel. And there's an interesting group there called the Temple Institute. And they have gone through a lot of things to prepare. As soon as another temple is built, they want to be ready. Often it's displayed there in the old city of Jerusalem, the 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 lampstand that they have built that matches the specifications of the one that was supposed to be in the temple. Once I asked, as you know, they said, hey, we've we've made all the things that the Bible says are supposed to be made. I asked, so have you made the Ark of the Covenant? And they said, oh, well, we know where, where that is because it says so in the Bible. I said, oh, that's interesting. Where does it say that in the Bible? And they said, oh, we'll, we'll talk to you more after the presentation. Well, guess what never happened? They never talked to me more uh, at the end of of the presentation. Well, today we read something interesting here as we get to um, Numbers 19, and it talks about this red heifer that would be used uh, to really create the the things to purify uh, the the priests in the temple and all of that. And one of the things I learned at the Temple Institute was they were still trying to figure out how they could find a red heifer or kind of genetically engineer this situation to have a red heifer. And it was a kind of a sad thought that these people are digging so much into these things that they've missed that the Messiah has come. Uh, But even as that kind of is a sad thought, let's not miss some of the ways that these chapters apply to us. And even just think about the the purification and how in-depth it goes into purity and being clean or unclean, right? That should get us thinking about what Jesus has done for us, how he has purified us, how he has cleansed us. And it should uh, have us prioritize cleanness in our own lives, Uh, probably not in these ritualistic ways that we see here in Leviticus and Numbers, but as we think through sin in our own lives, may we hate sin. May we seek to walk in the purity in which Christ has cleansed us. So as we think about kind of, even as we see things today and the failure of the Jewish people to accept their Messiah, may we still uh, learn some lessons from that of humility and really valuing the purification that can only come through Jesus Christ. Next, let's go to Psalm 35, where we look at verses 9 through 16 today. Remember, Saturday, we talked about how do you deal with contentious people? How do you deal with people that are out to get you and there's not a good reason? Well, we see uh, the psalmist here, David, looking to God for help. But I think we see something specific today that is helpful and should be a part of our attitude in these situations. In verse 11, he says, malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, 
I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. And so here we, we see him saying, when they were sick, I was I cared for them. And I think this gets us back to something else we've talked about recently, that Jesus taught us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. And here we see an example in the Psalms of that. Although there were these people that were malicious witnesses, he cared about them. When they were sick, he was praying and, and fasting and grieving for them. And that's something we should apply to those difficult situations in our lives. We should be genuinely praying and seeking the good of the contentious people in our lives who may even be treating us unfairly. Finally, let's go to Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23, where we look at verses 16 through 35. And as we're here, we remember the story that men have made a plot to kill Paul and, uh, uh, there's 40 of them that, that have said, they've come to an oath that we will not eat until uh, Paul has died. And so they're going to get the council to call Paul back and they're going to lie in wait and kill him. And one thing we talked about on Saturday was how we trust God. We trust God to protect us when we're dealing with these contentious people who are out to get us. Well, here we, we see uh, God doing that. It just so happens. Just isn't that so convenient, verse 16, that the son of Paul's sister heard about this? What a coincidence. What some people might call coincidence, I call the providence of God. God had set up the situation so that the word would get to the right people. And this son goes and tells Paul, Paul tells the centurions, and Paul is ultimately saved out of this situation. God was going to protect Saul. And I think there's lessons for us to learn from that as well, that we can trust God. And even though Paul was eventually martyred for his faith, right? It didn't happen a moment sooner than God had intended. God was going to do everything to protect Paul, to make sure that Paul did all the ministry that God wanted Paul to do. There's also another thing that strikes me about this passage today. It's in the letter that is written to Felix the governor from Claudius, the, the, the kind of ruler there at this Roman fortress. As he writes this letter to Felix, he says, Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, the governor of Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued them, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. Does that sound like how it actually went down? And not so much. He did go and he removed Paul from the situation, but Paul was about to be beaten by the Roman soldiers when Paul said, uh, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. So you see this Claudius, he is very much uh, shifting the facts to make himself look good. Have you ever seen that happen before? Seen people do that today? It still happens all the time. And unfortunately, have you ever done that yourself? Uh, maybe this is a good reminder for us to watch our own hearts and to guard our own words that we don't shift facts to make ourselves look better than anyone else. But as we think about what we've learned today, may we be humble people, uh, people who accept the grace of God and realize how good he has been to us when we don't deserve it. And let's pray for the Jewish people. Let's pray for revival, that their eyes would be open to see Jesus Christ, the Messiah. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.